Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament passage of 1 Chronicles. The Old Testament passage of 1 Chronicles, if you don't mind, and turn with me to the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter number 25. 1 Chronicles in chapter number 25. We're in a series on Sunday nights dealing with the idea of biblical music, to be able to have a answerable biblical defense to anything dealing with the idea of music. We know that music is emphasized quite a bit throughout the scriptures that over 800 or close to 800 references to music. So therefore because of that and the Bible highlights so many spiritual things that we ourselves need to understand what the Bible has to say concerning things about music. Now we've given a couple introductory messages and then last week we covered the idea of worship and music and talked about the nouns of worship, the verbs of worship, and understood how important it is that we worship correctly even in our music. Now as we continue to add a little bit more of a knowledge and practicality from the Word of God, we now see music as a ministry. The ministry of music. And so with that, we find ourselves in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter number 25. The book of 1 Chronicles chapter number 25. And notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse 1. The book of 1 Chronicles 25 and verse 1. The Bible says this, Moreover, David and the captains of the host separated to the service of the sons of Asaph, of Ahiman, and of Jephthathan, who should prophesy with harps, with psalteries, and with cymbals, and the number of the workmen according to their service was, of the sons of Asaph, Zechor, and Joseph, of Nethaline, and Azarethla, and the sons of Asaph under the hands of Asaph, which prophesied according to the order of the king." Of Jethanah, the sons of Jethanan, Gedaliah, and Zerai, and Jeshali, and Hashavah, and Mathanani, six under the hands of their father Jeduthun, excuse me, who prophesied with a harp to give thanks and to praise the Lord. Of Heman, the sons of Heman, Bukharam, Mathanah, Uziel, Shebalah, uh, Juramoth, Hananiah, Hanani, um, <coughs> Eliethana, Gidalitha, Romanithanazar, Joshabehekesim, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Malithor, Holithar, and Mathadazontha, excuse me, <laughs> verse number five. And these were the sons of Haman, the king's seer, in the words of God, to lift up the horn. And God gave to Haman. Fourteen sons and three daughters. And these were under the hands of their father for song in the house of the Lord with cymbals, psalteries, and harps for the service of the house of God according to the king's order to Asaph, Jethanan, and Haman. So the number of them 
with their brethren that were instructed in the songs of the Lord, even all that were cunning, were two hundred fourscore and eight. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of First Chronicles chapter number 25? The book of First Chronicles chapter number 25. And notice with me in verse number seven, the phrase, <coughs> excuse me, that were instructed in the songs of the Lord. That were instructed in the songs of of the Lord. And with the Lord's help, we're going to use this and study this text as well as a couple of others to understand the importance of ministry of music, music as a ministry. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God and thank you that we can learn from your word and learn more about you by studying how you set things up and how you recorded it in the word of God. I'm asking now as we now put the emphasis of understanding the ministry that music has in the service of the Lord, that you would open up our minds, open our understanding and help us to see more about what the Bible has to say that we may apply this properly and get an understanding of how important this truly is. Even now, Lord, I'm asking that you would help me to die to myself, put myself aside, so that way we can learn more of you through your precious word. Fill me with your spirit, and you do your own work. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the book of Chronicles, of course, if many of you have gone through there, you've already seen that there's a bunch of names. And with the Lord's help this time around, I'm not going to go and highlight the names, but there are many things in this passage that we do want to highlight. Later on, when we go through here, we'll try to put an emphasis on saying the names correctly, but not for today. We're trying to study music. So again, if you could forgive my missteps. As we take this passage, there are some things that we want to learn about. And the first thing I want to highlight here is the idea of the ministry, music as a ministry. Music as a ministry. Notice if you don't mind, there are some things that we could glean from here. That we know that the book of First Chronicles chapter 25, the passage that we read even further, I didn't even touch because they're all names, verses 8 through 31, that's a lot of names here, all of these are musicians. Here the Bible takes time to list a whole bunch of names of the musicians that were set aside in the service of God. Now, this is highlighting that music is a ministry. These are people whose purpose was to minister to the Lord in song. With this, we also understand that they all come from three specific families. And we can learn a lot from the families here. The three families are Asaph, which we've done a character study on before and saw how important he was. But we see Asaph, we see Heman, and we also see Jedathan. Jedathan. And so these families are the three families that are set aside to be the ministers of music, to be set for the service of music within the worship of the temple. Now, Heman is interesting, just a kind of a gee whiz type thing, is that he's listed in 1 Chronicles chapter 6, and he's interesting because he's the grandson of Samuel the prophet. Now, we know that Samuel had failed and to get his sons to follow him. But he did influence his grandson Heman. And by the time of David's uh, and 
Solomon's time of service, Heman's family was one of the major families that helped lead in the worship. And we're thankful for the testimony that Samuel had to be able to influence his grandson for the Lord. Again, neither here nor there, but it was an interesting note to know who things are. Now, as we go through here, we could see that 1 Chronicles 25, 1-7 where we read, we could see that they have a word, they prophesied. That means that they preached a message. If you don't mind, let's look through 1 Chronicles 25 and let's highlight a couple times where this is mentioned. Notice with me in 1 Chronicles 25 verse 1. And notice what it said here with the service of them that they prophesied with harps. They prophesied with harps and with psalteries and with cymbals. Notice that they prophesied with this, and we're carrying the idea that they preached. While they're in the ministry of music, they're preaching with instruments. Notice as it goes on in verse number two, it says, Of the sons of Asaph, and it gives the list of names, the sons of Asaph under the hands of Asaph, which prophesied according to the order of the king. Once again, we could see these musicians are prophesying. Notice again as we look in verse number 3. I'm not going to highlight them all, but I'm trying to show you a pattern here in verse number 3. Towards the end of it, it talks about their father, Jedithan, who prophesied with a harp to give thanks and praise to the Lord. We could see that here they're talking about the musicians, and part of the ministry that they have is with their instruments, they are to prophesy. They are to preach a message with instruments. Now we'll tie this together in several sessions later, but you understand that music does carry a message. And the music should match the message of the words. And so some people will try to argue that music is neutral. Again, we'll cover that in a different session. But according to the Bible, it is not. Music is an important part of the message. Therefore, the music must be held to a biblical standard as well as the words. Because they are preaching. Now, something else I want you to highlight here as we're picking things out of this passage. Notice there's another phrase, under the hands. Under the hands. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number 2. Once again, it said of the sons of Asaph. It says, the sons of Asaph under the hands of Asaph. That's an interesting phrase. Notice again, and don't mind, in verse number 3. Where it talked about under the hands of their father, um, (laughs) Jedithrin. So, under the hands, once again. Notice, if you don't mind, another phrase in verse number 6. And all these were under the hands of their father for song in the house of the Lord. Now, this is an interesting phrase. Three times it is mentioned here in this passage, under the hands. What does this phrase mean? Well, this phrase carries the idea that they used their hands to lead in music. Now, for centuries, as things kind of Uh, (laughs) marched on, for much of Christianity, music was not led with their hands. In fact, uh, you had um, D.L. Moody, who was a great revivalist. His song leader was Ira Sankey, and Ira Sankey led music from the organ, meaning that he would play music from the organ and try to get people to sing. It wasn't until the next major music man, after... (coughs) After Sankey that you had Moody and 
Moody and Sankey that Moody's disciple, R.A. Torrey, became the next major person to lead in evangelism and revivals across the world. His song leader was Charles Alexander. And Charles Alexander went back from this passage here, studied it out, and he placed the emphasis to lead music with their hands. And he based this from first 24. Five. And so from Charles Alexander on, Charles Alexander was the song leader for R.A. Torrey, for Wilbur Chapman, and for um, Billy Sunday. He was the song leader, and he actually taught song leaders. We'll talk more about uh, Alexander, <coughs> Charles Alexander in just a little bit. But he went around, all around the world, to get song leaders and teach them how to lead congregational music with their hands and showing that it made a difference first of all it's biblical but second of all there's one thing of having your back or side to the congregation and trying to get people to sing and actually having someone stand up and lead people using their hands. This is one of the reasons why you have song leaders who lead with their hands. Now we know that there's a proper time of music. We may cover that later. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Or three. One, two, three. But that's not the only things you could do. You could put an emphasis. This is my story. And so what happens is that they've noticed and they've studied that as the song leader uses his hands, it prompts the people to sing louder. And that if a song leader closes his hands, by nature, the crowd gets quieter. And when he opens it, they sing up loud. It's like an unconscious thing, but could it be that God has programmed us in such a way that as the Bible, this isn't the only passage that talks about it, but this is one that's talking about the ministry of music, the importance of a song leader leading the congregation, and he's leading them with his hands. A full body experience, if you say, because singing should be with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our body, with all of our strength, with all of our soul, that we should be leading people to sing. And again, this passage is talking about it, that here's these musicians, they're singing and they're putting emphasis. Here's the song leaders leading with their hands, these musicians, and there's a ton of musicians. This is a ministry, which we're all tying together. We're showing here that there's a ministry for music, music as a ministry, and that because of that, there's some things we want to pay attention to. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in First Chronicles chapter 25, where we're at, and notice with me in verse number 7. It said, so the number of them with their brethren that were instructed in the songs of the Lord, even all that were cunning, were 200 Four score and eight. Let's cover the number four. Remember that whenever you see a score, that means 20. So four times 20 is 80. So we have 288 people that were cunning. Now notice the word cunning. The word cunning carries the idea of skillful. So we had 288 men who did nothing but teach music within the tabernacle and temple. These were people, that was their job, they were to teach music, because music is a ministry. Music was so important, they actually had people set aside to teach others singing praises, playing praises, music for the Lord. All of this is coming to the idea, music is a ministry. Not only does music have ministry, but music has power. 
Let's show this from the Bible. Music has power. Turn with me to another passage in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter number 5. You're in 1 Chronicles now. Just turn to the next book. First, or 2 Chronicles chapter number 5. 2 Chronicles chapter number 5. And let's look at another emphasis showing music and its ministry. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse number 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse number 12. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Haman, of Jeduthun. Notice we have these three families again. With their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests, Sounding with trumpets. And it came to pass as the trumpeteers and the singers were as one. To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. When they had lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music. And praised the Lord saying for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. And then the house of the Lord with a cloud. Even the house of the Lord. So that the priest. So the sorry. The house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Now once again, we have these singers, these musicians who have the ministry of music. And we can see this outstanding event as music is now playing a part and them working together. Let's highlight some things if you don't mind. Notice, if you don't mind, <coughs> once again, it's pointed out that the families of Asaph, of Haman, of Jedetha led the music. Now, according to Josephus, there was a 200,000 voice choir. Now, it doesn't say how many singers, but it makes an emphasis on the musicians here. So let's just go ahead and line up. 200,000 singers in this time of praising God. Now, with them were a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. You had a hundred and twenty brass section of trumpets. Two hundred thousand singers. A hundred and twenty trumpets. That's a lot of trumpets by the way. But we're not done yet. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse number five is uh, um, as we hit the other passage in First Chronicles 20, 23 I'm running out of batteries. All right, technical difficulties, that'll make a good recording. <laughs> if you don't mind, <laughs> so we have a voice choir of 200,000. We have a trumpet section of 120. And then we have here in 1 Chronicles 25 and uh, 23 and verse 5, the passage that we had just turned to before, it said, moreover, 4,000 were porters, and notice this, 4,000 praised the Lord with instruments. So think about this. You had a 200,000 voice choir. You have 120 trumpets specifically. Altogether, 4,000 
instruments. Could you imagine what that would sound like? To have that many praising God. Now this is major. What we're seeing here is that there is a great emphasis of music for the serving of God. For praising God. Now let's tie it together here back in the passage of 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Notice this. 2 Chronicles 5. Notice verse 13. And it came to pass as the trumpeteers and singers were as one. To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. What this is dealing is that there's an idea of unity here. They're singing together. They're singing the same song. The trumpets and the instruments are playing together. The singers are singing the same song. With all of them having a ministry of music. What we see in this passage is an interesting idea. That unity plus praise equals power. We're talking about the power of music as music is a ministry. Let's see it from this passage. Now we had started with the unity that the trumpets, trumpeteers and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. Notice as it goes on it says for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. What we see is that there's unity and with the unity, there's praise. What is that going to equal? It's going to equal power. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Now, clouds in the Bible always symbolize the power of God. So if you can imagine the trumpeteers and the singers singing together, praising God together, and they're looking to God and they're praising his name. Then the power of God descended down. Notice again in this passage in verse 14. So that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house. That God's power came down because of the unity and because of the praise. You understand music has great power. And if it's used to direct towards God or as music is put together in a unifying way, the people are singing together and they're looking to God that God's the goal and they're singing God's praise. That there's a power that comes in. Now, again, we're tying this into music as a ministry. What we understand now is that when music exalts the word of God and the song leader is full of the power of God, people can get saved and respond to the invitation before the preaching is even done. Because music has a ministry. There's something to it. We've experienced ourselves at camp a couple of years ago. Where everything was leading up great messages. Then on that Thursday night. We just had a special choir of girls who had just got right with God. And they sang a song. And preacher didn't even come up yet. People were getting right. Kids were getting right with each other. Kids were getting right with their parents. Kids were getting right with their pastor. And the invitation went on for an hour. And the preacher hadn't said a single thing. Because there's a music and a message that goes with the music. That God can use it to preach to hearts. And people can respond. So, you know, what we're trying to put an emphasis on. Is that there is an important position of having someone leading music. And there is a correlation between preaching a message. And what we're trying to say is because so many churches, they're trying to do the best they can and we're thankful for it. But the song leader has 
a responsibility like the pastor does in preaching a message through the songs. And that it shouldn't be an afterthought. It shouldn't be something that's slapped together. But it should be something done with the knowledge that this is helping prepare people to hear the word of God. This is actually preaching to people and letting them know about praising God. And it's all working together in that one service. Let's tie some more practicality here. Let's actually talk about music in a service as we try to apply some of these things. So music inside of a service, we know that there's a special relationship between the music and the message. You cannot divorce the two. That music has its message and the message should be of Christ. And that people should be praising God and looking to God and ready to respond because of the music. And the song service will lead the hearts, minds, and spirit to the message. If, song, if the song service is done correctly, that they shouldn't be divorced. So many times they have it so separated. Here's the music service. Yay, this is what we're looking for. And then we'll tack into a message afterwards and we'll just have to endure the message as part of price of a mission. Well, they should actually be coinciding together. They should be blending together as one. That the music should be leading to the actual preaching message. And the preaching message is building upon the music. And that the hearts are prepared because of the music to look towards God. And that the message has God pointing to us. How do we respond to him as we look towards him? This is all something that should be working together. As we continue on, we understand that there's a message in the songs. Now, we're missing the message of music, and we're not even thinking about it. It's, again, because it's something that's an afterthought. But the songs that we sing have an important message, and how we sing them have an important message that you could share. <coughs> Let me just tie it in specific. The Bible talks about in Psalm 39 and verse 3, My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, that means thinking about it, the fire burned, and then spake I with my tongue. The word music is an interesting word. It carries the idea to think. So while he's thinking about it, the fire burned. By the way, inside of the English language, we have, when we add the word A in front of something, it means the opposite of. So the opposite of musing would be amused which carries the idea not to think. And so many times people are trying to be amused or entertained with music instead of having music as something prompting them to think. What should happen is that the music should cause us to think about the message, think about the words, think about who the Lord is, and blending together so that way we are ready to respond to God. They're working together. We know that actors take the imaginary and they make things real. Unfortunately, song leaders often take the real and make it seem imaginary. All right, let's play a part. And the way they sing and the way they lead people to sing is it doesn't matter. Is God real? Then we should act like it. We should behave like it. We should sing like it. Is he a great God? Then it should show up. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior. That's how we sing. That's how we lead music. And we're satisfied with it. We're 
Fine. We're okay. Now we're the Baptist church. We're not supposed to be excited. We're the polar bear Baptist church. You could tell by the icicles all over. Oh, don't say any amens. Oh, don't raise your hand. Don't get excited about it. It's not. We don't do that here. Well, you get excited over a Packer game. You get excited about some sports thing. You get excited about some TV show. What's more important than the God who saved us and the God we're going to stand before one day? This should be the most exciting part of your week is looking towards God. But yet, how many church services, and may I say as a song leader, how many church services have I led? All right. God's so good. I wish we believed it. Oh, yay. All right, well. I'm glad that you guys managed to show up to church today. Maybe, you know, it'll get better eventually. This is the greatest thing going on! And we should believe it. But how many song leaders take something that's real and turn it to something that's fake, imaginary? People don't think our God is real. How? Because of our songs. We play around. We entertain. Go home, not changed at all. It's not real to us. But part of the ministry of music is to be directing our praise to God. Because it's real. Because it's important. Because God is worthy to be worshipped. Our services should be directed that this is the greatest thing going on today. So we must be think about the message and be stirred about the message and allow God to flow through us as song leaders and musicians. We'll talk more about this in a second. But we must have the message to be real to us, including the song leaders, including the musicians. We must be spiritual about the song leading and music ministry. What do I mean by that? People have divorced the idea of spiritual. They say preaching is a spiritual work. Praying, that's spiritual. But music, it's its own different spiritual thing. We kind of separate it out and it's its own little thing. No, you understand that if music is a ministry and it's a ministry towards God and it's something we see the power of God in, therefore, music must be just as spiritual of a work as praying. It must be just as spiritual of a work as preaching. Because we're directing it to God. And we're looking up to Him. It is a spiritual work. Rock music has got us so scared from having emphasis on music anymore. That we've got to the place where we're cowered down. And oh, we don't want to get too excited. We don't want people to think that we're crazy. And oh, victory in Jesus. There's nothing wrong with singing out. There's nothing wrong with smiling when you sing. And not make it look like you're being tortured and have to be here. We should, be, we should not be uh, at a place where we're scared to put an emphasis on our song. On our singing. Praising who God is. Now let's get specific. Let's talk about the pianist and instrumentalist. The piano player must resist the urge to play to the top of their technical ability and focus on notes rather than the music. You know, you can hit the notes right, but not have a song. That even the pianist, they must understand what they're singing, what they're playing. They must understand what is the message of the music and be able to play the message of the music, playing the song. Now, we want piano players to play well. But what do I mean by this? 
Well, what goes on is that the piano player has had lots of education, thousands of hours of piano practice, and they should. But do they get to the place to say, listen, we play it like this, and they try to wrestle control from the song leader. You play it the way that I play it. You play it my speed. You're not doing it right. And they get so frustrated at the song leader. You know, there are times that the song leader is going to hold out a note that the music doesn't say to hold out. And the pianist should follow the song leader and shouldn't be fighting for control. Because without that, you don't have unity. Remember, you have to have a unity if we're going to see the power come down. And so with it, the piano player should have a technical ability, but still be able to follow the song leader no matter what he is doing. Now, that's a hard skill. I've worked with lots of pianists. My favorite is my wife because after 20 years, she's figured me out. But they should not be a fight. And again, so many pianists, you play it the way that I play it. And we should not be having a struggle between a song leader and the pianist. We should be working together. Even if the song leader is not technically as correct. One, two, three, four. He should. He should be learning skill. Both of them, as a musician, a song leader, should be working to master their skills and get better at their skills. But still at the place where they could work together. In fact... If the pianist plays like that, they're playing their technical ability and the song leader (laughs) can't work together with it. In fact, it makes it look like the pianist is showing off and trying to show up the song leader. Someone said that the best musicians are those with a classical education. The worst ones are the ones who never get over it. Meaning that this is how I taught to play and this is what we do no matter what. Well, you know, a song leader should be directed by God. And maybe there's a verse that needs to be emphasized. And so he slows it down. Or he sings a little louder and crescendos. And there's things with it. The pianist should be able to follow with it. And be able to say, I know that he's breaking the rules technically. Not trying to be a piano Nazi on it. But be able to flow and follow as they work together. The pianist must also learn to play with their strength. Now, the strength comes within us. For example, if I'm going to punch someone, I'm going to punch them with my strength. It's going to be something that I well up from down here. And this is what's missing. Pianist and instrumentalist can often get uh, tens of thousands of practice time, music lessons and whatnot, but they've never been taught to play with their strength. A lot of them have. And so what happens is that they play the notes correctly, but there seems to be something missing. So sometimes the pastor will say, there's something missing. How about this? Play, play louder. And they play louder and it's just, that's not it. All right, uh, play faster. Let's go. And there's still something missing. The pianist has to learn to Understand the song and the message of the song and play with their strength. And that will show up on a piano, not like it's banging, but it will show up in the song that they have. And they must play with that strength. That strength does come within us. (coughs) Now for the song leaders, they have to come out of their shell. They have to be animated. And emphasized, many of you know that I worked with Dr. Ed Reese for a while on the Chronological Bible and other things. He passed away at 80-something years old, but at late 70s, he was still the most enthusiastic song leader I've ever met. 
just full of life and vigor. And you understand, nobody sits in the pew and says, I want to be a song leader. Nobody looks up and says, that's the dream of my ministry, my hope. I want to be the song leader. Well, because nobody wants to be the song leader, they're usually appointed, can you be the song leader? That means that the song leader still has to understand this is an important job even if nobody else wants to do it. And because of that, they have to come out of their shell. They have to be animated because their job is to lead. If you have a timid song leader, you're not going to get people to sing. That means that those that are put in a position must move beyond what they think others might view them and concentrate on getting people to sing. For example, you watch me and I move around a lot. So some guy asked to be the song leader and I tried to train right, but maybe I didn't get to training as well. And you got to be the song leader. He stands behind, grips this so he doesn't run anywhere. Oh, victory in Jesus. And somebody says, how come he doesn't move his hands like pastor? Because he thinks he looks crazy. And what are people going to think of me? I look like a goofball up here. What are people going to think? And so what happens is they hide back in their shell and they just kind of get the song service over. They need to stop looking at themselves and stop worrying about what other people think. And realize their responsibility is to lead. And to lead the people. Now, if the pianist is playing with their heart and their strength, and the song leader's just filling in, then it just makes it look like the pianist is showing off. They have to work together. There has to be this unity together. The pianist is playing with their strength, and the song leader is leading with his strength, leading the people. With both of them, the messages we sing must stir their hearts. What did I just sing? What does it mean? Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a rich like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. There should be some meaning behind it. They should understand the words and understand what they're trying to get across. This is what God has done for me. All hail the power of Jesus' name and be praising to Him, looking to Him. They should know the message and it should show up in their countenance, in their being of whom they are. The song leader and the, and the singers are preaching the same message as the preacher. Except they're just doing it in song form. Now with this we also understand that there's a responsibility. The song leader needs to be right with God. They need to be filled with the spirit. There are standards and expectations for a song leader. Again I can't tell you how many times I've had people. Hey you look like you need a song leader. I know I'm not part of the church. But it looks like you need some help. Can you help me? Or can I lead songs? Who are you? I don't know if you're right with God or not. There should be a responsibility. And we don't put anyone in this position. They should have some leadership that they're following after God. That they're a soul winner. That they've been in their Bible. That they have a heart to follow after God. Because that's going to translate to other people. 
If they're not right with God, it's going to translate to the crowd. And there's not going to be a unity. There's going to be something there. There's a high expectation because they are preaching a message. They are held to the same standard as a preacher, as qualifications, as standards, as expectations. Now that shouldn't make people uh, say, well, I don't want it. It should raise people up to meet those standards. Now for the song leader, they are to be the song leader. People in the congregation are naturally passive. What does that mean? They don't want to sing. That's just a statement of fact. Most people when they come in, they say, I can't wait. I'm going to be ready. Most people are passive. They're not against it. It's just, they're passive. The song leader then must lead them. And when they lead them, the people will sing. But they have to lead them. And they have to understand this is an important position. Now, even with this, how we approach the pulpit. Everything we do with enthusiasm. For example, if you notice, that usually when <coughs> sit here, finish the song, I'm ready to go. It's not a leisurely walk and yawning. This is important business. Let's get to it. There should be enthusiasm. There should be something to it. You know, it's those minor things that people don't study and think, but it does translate. If the song leader comes up and he's ready to go, then everyone else is ready to go. If he has to work his way up to it, the people are always going to lag behind. So finally, the last song we're singing good, but uh, we missed two or three songs before that. We were just kind of flat. Everything should be done with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm breeds enthusiasm. Zeal brings more zeal. This is the greatest thing that's going on. Let's sing it together. This is part of that ministry. Now for the song leaders, the greatest thing that is happening in our towns is in our church. For the moment of leading music, that song leader is leading the most important thing in town. I don't care if the Green Bay Packers are playing or not. The most important thing going on right here is someone leading people to worship God in song and praise. This is important. As I said before, there's a philosophy that we have for our music leaders, for our musicians, whether they play a trumpet, whether they play piano, whether they sing a solo or they lead music. They have to understand this philosophy here that this is the Lord's work and we have an important job. By the way, I'll get to this later, no singer performs in church or they're not doing it right. No singer performs. They are leading people to worship God. That is a different philosophy and idea. We are not performing. We're not entertaining the crowd. We are causing people to look at him to worship. As I said before, we were going to go back to Charles Alexander. This is a wonderful book. I require it for anybody who wants to be part of the music ministry, especially for a song leader. It's the book, A Romance of Song and Soul Winning. And it's the story of uh, the biography of Charles Alexander. As I said, he was the song leader for R.A. Torrey, for Wilbur Chapman, for Billy Sunday. And it, those are big names in revival and history. And he was the song leader for all three. And it was just, he taught people in continents, America, Asia, 
uh, Europe and Australia. He taught song leaders all over how to lead music. And he understood the importance of music and the ministry of music. Charles Alexander once told a choir in Bangar Island, Have you thought that before Dr. Chapman ever preaches a word, that you have a chance to sing the message. Now he's addressing the choir. As he's talking to the choir, he tells them, continues on, we want revival here. Why should it not begin with our choir? The choir should be beginning it. After that, and the people had the song service, nine people of that choir made a decision that night to openly follow after Christ. Because they realized they had an important responsibility. And that they couldn't half do it. They needed to follow after Christ and lead people to do the same. In fact, Charles Alexander would actually work with song leaders and teach them their responsibility for leading people to the Lord in song. And he also taught them that song leaders, your main job is to make sure that people are getting saved. Forget what you sound in your doxology and stuff. Go lead them to the Lord. That person down there, how come you're not leading them to the Lord? He would chastise them and work on the song leaders and teach them, you have a responsibility for souls. You need to be searching for souls and looking for souls and expecting people to get saved as we lead people to the Lord. There should be an expectation. And again, he taught hundreds of song leaders and he worked with them. And if the song leaders wouldn't work with him, he would just chastise them in a loving way in Christ. But he was very strict and very things. With a crowd, he would turn it into a great choir. In the book of uh, Dr. Tory, it talked about uh, Charles Alexander. And it said that Alexander turned an audience into a vast choir. Something that no other song leader had ever done. He taught them to sing. His song leading and solos prepared the audiences for the message and were responsible for the conversion of not a few. And again, that's what he was known for. He learned the responsibility and the art of song leading and taught it to people. And he could turn a great congregation into a choir. And have them singing praises. And have people prepared. And as Dr. Tory would preach a message. His follow up as he would make the congregation choir sing. People would just fall to the altar. Getting saved. Getting right. Having revival. It was something that Dr. Tory made a big emphasis on. Because of my song leader. The messages were more effective. Because when there's a unity. That are all praising God. The power of God comes down. And that we have to understand our philosophy of music must be that the song leader is not some kid who just graduated high school who thinks he could play. But whoever it is, whatever age they are, they have an understanding this is a ministry. A ministry to get people to praise God. And it's a ministry that as we're getting praising God, that we're expecting people to get saved, people to get right, people to respond to God. That this is important. It's not an afterthought. It's not something we tack on. It's not something we do until we get to the main event. Or it's not the main event and then the preacher has to follow up. But this is a ministry for the Lord. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.